And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard, episode number 303. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Welcome along to the show. And uh, we're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois, where it is snowy today. Um, not snowy like like blizzardy snowy. It's just kind of been snowing on and off today. Just enough snow that it reminds you that it's still winter outside. And, and unless the, uh, the groundhog predicts otherwise, it's going to be winter for a while. So, yeah, I, not that I'm a believer in groundhog prognostication, but Groundhog's Day is at the end of this week. So if you're into uh, groundhogs telling the future, then, uh, yeah, well, happy Groundhog's Day to all of you. All right. So uh, we are changing gears a little bit this week. We don't have a lot to talk about here at the top of the show. Uh, So we're going to get right to it and our review. Hercules, hero of song and story. Hercules, winner of ancient glory, fighting for the right. Fighting with his might, with the strength of ten ordinary men. Hercules, people are safe when near him. Hercules, only the evil fear him. Softness in his eyes, iron in his thighs, virtue in his heart, fire in every part of the mighty Right, and this week we are looking at a one-shot here. Uh, no, you don't need to be afraid. We're not doing Hercules Unbound. Not this week. <laughs> but that, it is coming soon, though. We have to finish off Hercules Unbound. But we are actually looking at Marvel Premiere, and this is issue number 26. The uh, cover price is $0.25. Cents. The cover date is November of 1975. Cover art is by Jack Kirby and Vinnie Coletta, and it shows uh, Hercules, and he is wrapped in some sort of vines, and we have a couple of uh, uh, looking, kind of Asgardian-looking villains. I guess they're Olympian-looking villains anyway. Uh, some dude in blue armor with a very strange sort of, of weapon that it could be an axe, could be a hammer, I don't know. And then there's a, a dark-haired woman wearing a, a, a kind of a babushka scarf, and she's got her fingernails out like she's going to claw Hercules's leg. And Hercules is looking at us rather squinty-eyed looking, as is typical of Coletta inks on Kirby pencils. So not the um, it's not the greatest Kirby cover. I mean, the inks do take away from it, but it's decent enough. The cover blurb says, A man-god unchained. Because you demanded it, the Prince of Power in his own Olympian mag. Well, for this issue, anyway. Um, we'll talk about why this didn't lead to anything at the end, but we'll, uh, yeah, maybe you can figure it out as we go through the story. So we open up to the splash page where we have the credits. 
Bill Mantlo is the writer. George Tuska is the artist. Vinnie Coletta is the inker. A. Kowecki and K. Mantlo are the letterers. Ivan Vantaroff is the colorist. And Marv Wolfman is the editor. So this is this falls at a very weird place in Marvel history, but uh, we won't talk about that. This is uh, basically a uh, kind of the ten year anniversary, as it were, of of uh, King Size Thorn Annual Number One, which is where Hercules made his first appearance in the Marvel Universe. Now that fact is not particularly well known, uh, but we do have at least uh, you know two of the creators involved in the production of this issue. Uh, obviously, Kirby did the cover, and uh, Coletta did the inks uh, on the cover and on the inside as well. So uh, the cover, uh, or sorry, the splash page shows Hercules, and he is standing in a sort of courtyard sort of thing. It's a pinup type of picture, and Hercules is holding a chain in each of his hands. And I guess we're supposed to believe that he has just pulled them apart and has burst the chain. It could be more obvious. It looks like he just has two chains and is waving them around. But the uh, caption says, Stan Lee presents Hercules. Let it herewith be acclaimed throughout high Olympus, the Hercules born of almighty Zeus, father of the gods, and immortal mother, he who brought death himself to low defeat, slayer of the many-hated Hydra, captor of Cerebrus, the guardian dog of hell, retriever of the golden apples of eternal youth, immortal prince of power, is granted his very own magnificent trial mag because you requested it. Ten years ago, in Special King Size Thor Annual Number 1, 1965, Stanley and Jack Kirby introduced the second biggest immortal to hit comicdom since the pulse-pounding God of Thunder. Uh, we have a second splash page where we have the title of the story, the Games of Raging Gods, starring Hercules, the Olympian Prince of Power. Climb aboard, true believers, mighty marvels on the move again. And we open up in Marin County, California, and the and basically along the Pacific Coast Highway. So we have uh, the Pacific Coast Highway, which is right along the ocean, as a lot of people realize. And I, I've driven that, and it, it, it actually is. It looks out somewhat like this. Uh, we basically have these stunning vistas of the ocean while, while you're driving on the, on the highway. And there's a fire happening, and there's uh, firefighters wearing construction hard hats, which uh, <laughs> I don't think firefighters wear uh, that kind of a, a hard hat. Even in the 70s, I don't think they did. But anyway, so it looks like there's a, uh, a car wreck. I guess, uh, yeah, it kind of looks like there's a wrecked vehicle there. Um, I could be wrong about that, but it could be a bulldozer. They're trying to bulldoze the fire. You know how firefighters, maybe maybe that's what it is. It, it is kind of hard to tell. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go out on a limb and say it's supposed to be a bulldozer that's trying to put out the fire. And we have uh, two beings in a car driving up, and the driver says, Hercules, look, I do see that which doth grip thy attention, mortal. How could I do otherwise when it hath sent thy vehicle to spinning madly off-road? The... Uh, firefighters going too hot we gotta pull back there are houses below the fire people trapped inside we can't pull out and leave them to fry we can't so we see it's hercules and this other guy and the other guy is this this white-haired guy with glasses and we learn that he is uh, richard fenster now we'll talk about him at the end of the show and just go with it for now they can't stop it hercules they can't even contain it half the county might go up if it isn't halted Thy concern is voiced, Richard Fenster. 
All that doth remain is for the son of Zeus to heed thy plea, and act upon it as only one born to power may, by pitting the strength of an immortal against the strength of riotous nature. Come back, says Fenster. There's nothing one man can do. Ah, but Hercules is no mere man, mortal. Hercules is a god. And Hercules wades in, and he is pulling people out of the uh, the firefight, one of whom is dressed a lot like Luke Cage. <laughs> the coloring, it's not, it's not that he's dressed like Luke Cage, it's just the coloring is the same anyway. So Hercules is hauling Luke Cage out of the fire, and other people as well. And the caption says, Disregarding the blazing tongues of crimson heat that lick hungrily after him. Blah, blah, blah. He who has been called power incarnate gently gathers up the valiant firefighters, bearing them to relative safety from the searing, blistering flames. And Hercules is thinking to himself, They have courage, these mortals, and methinks the seed of godhood rests unnurtured deep within them. Yet they are unable to hold such perils their world doth hurl them at bay. Hercules noticed something weird about the fires as the air begins to pulse with wave after wave of burning agony. And Hercules is like thinking to himself, "'Tis most passing strange." And the, uh, the fire is like, like burning like really, really, really supernaturally hot. And, and Hercules turns around and he says, "'Tis a veritable wall of flames. It doth move like a thing alive. Get thee back, mortals.'" And the firefighters are like, don't worry, bub, we're getting fast. Hercules is engulfed by the flames, and he thinks they're engulfing him as though with a mind of their own. Yet they do haunt me, as though I did know them to be something other than what they appear. Still, they must be stayed from spreading further. And he goes to a, a giant, like, sequoia-type tree, and he says, Yon tree, this verily a giant, older perhaps than these mortals that do dwell in its shadows. It kind of is going to ramming up against it, and uh, he's saying, The flames have cut short its life, and Hercules hath need of it. By the gods its roots run deep, yet it doth heave from the earth before the battering attack of the Prince of Power. So Hercules knocks down a giant sequoia tree, which he uh, picks up and he kind of is waving it around with a swoosh, with giant swoosh sound effect, and he's uh, like taking it and... and for, somehow he's just kind of thrusting it into the fire. Um, I don't know what he's hoping to accomplish with that, but okay. And, uh, and Hercules is saying out loud here, Again, such a blaze, even a god is like unto a flea. Yet Hercules will pit flame against flame. The inferno will prove more than a match for itself. And it says he's creating a barrier of flames between himself and the road and the threatening advance of the original fire. Uh, Hercules says, "'Tis done. The time of danger is past." One of the firefighters is like, You did it! You created a wall of fire, stopping the first one with a strip of burnt-out earth. T'was my intention, mortal. In the face of thy bravery, I could do no less than succeed. And Fenster's like, That was incredible, Hercules. Simply incredible. Thou dost praise me overmuch, friend. Hercules accomplished merely that which did most need doing. Have it your way. I'm not about to argue with a god. But could we get back to driving again, please? It's a long way back to UCLA, and you've a lecture to deliver on the questionable genealogies of a few of your fellow Olympians. <laughs> and uh, that's, that would be an interesting talk. Anyway, so uh, they get back in the car, and Hercules and Fenster go driving off along a light blue background with nothing else, which makes me think that there's some background detail here that maybe got a little bit, um, you know, erased. 
<laughs> and, then, and the caption says, but as Richard Fenster motors his heavenly companion away from the still smoldering scene of what might have been a disaster, two pairs of sinister eyes follow their departure. A low guttural growl utters from the throat of the more massive of the two. And we see that it's the two people from the cover. And the smoke from the god-quenched fire twines serpentine around the shadowed form of Typhon. And so um, Typhon has appeared before, uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that later maybe. And it's, so it's Typhon and Scylla. So Typhon is just the guy in the blue armor, and Scylla is the uh, girl in the hood at the pointy fingernails. And uh, Typhon says, It is he, Scylla, the accursed spawn of Zeus. And the caption says, The last of the treacherous outcast titans who had dared defy almighty Zeus, father of the Olympian gods, in the dim, dark recesses of a myth-ridden past. Typhon, whom the ancients had claimed possessed the heads of a hundred loathsome dragons in fearful tribute to his vicious savagery. Hercules! Do you hear me, witch woman? It is he whose name I did breathe in blackest hate as the smoke of Hades did waft about me. Have a care, mighty Typhon. Let thy boundless rage doth come betwixt thee and the revenge thou dost desire. I do mark thee, witch, but thou knowest the depth of my wrath. Yes, I do know it. I know thou wast ruler for a time of high Olympus, after thou didst put out the sacred Promethean flame, banishing the deathless gods to limbo. I know also that thy rule was challenged by Hercules, the son of mighty Zeus, and thou wast defeated by him and his once fellow Avengers. And so this goes back to uh, the Avengers number 49 and 50. Uh, so that's where we saw Typhon last, apparently. And we get a shot of Hawkeye shooting arrows um, at, uh, apparently shooting them at Typhon, saying, Hey, watch it, fella. These arrows may not look like much, but they cost plenty. Enough, witch. Thinkest thou I do not recall my sentencing before Zeus, my shame before the assembled gods? And it shows uh, Typhon in front of Zeus, and Zeus is saying, Thy pleas for mercy will avail thee not, usurper. No quarter didst grant others. And none canst thou expect. Kratos, Bia, take thou the prisoner, and cast him down the pit of Hades. Aye, my liege. No, merciful Zeus, Hades is an abode for the dead, not for one who is immortal, not for one who will languish there forever. And they throw him down what looks like a giant well. <laughs> and I fell down the well, well, well. And on his way going down the well, he goes, uh, a curse upon thee, Lord of Olympus. Typhon will return. And he's uh, saying uh, out loud to Scylla, I do remember that fearful fall, Scylla, down the steaming shaft into the Stygian depths of the dread domain of Pluto. But Hades was not the hell thou didst imagine it to be, my Lord Typhon, for I, Scylla, did dwell therein. And like many another... Thou didst find this witch most enchanting. <laughs> I see what you did there. And uh, it shows uh, Typhon and Scylla in hell. And she's, she's like exposing her legs to him in a kind of a flirtatious manner. And there's like these demons kind of walking around. And it's like kind of a skull and stuff. Anyway, and uh, Typhon is saying, uh, I must escape, Scylla. There must be a way to the vengeance I do seek. 
Is it so hard sharing hell with me, my titan? Nay, do not answer. I do know that other flame that doth burn within thee, and perhaps it doth coincide with the passion of mine own. Thou didst not choose this living death, my lord, yet I did fall to Hades of my own accord. When a certain prince did reject an offer, I did make him. Never again will Hercules turn away the love of a Delphic oracle. Watch, Typhon, watch. Scylla was not bound by decree to hell. And if she chose to leave, who is to say that the witch may not take her present lover with her? And there's a glow of indeterminate origin or purpose. And, and she's, there's a commentary, I guess, a narration. A simple spell did I cast. And once again thou didst stand in the sacred temple of Prometheus, before the very flame into which the son of Zeus didst cast thine axe, and strip thee of thine power. And Typhon's axe is still in the fire. So uh, it is in the fire. And of course, because the uh, axe is sitting in the fire, he's reaching into the fire to grab the axe. Now, if there's one thing that, that uh, he should know about an axe that's been sitting in the fire for, you know, an indeterminate length of time, but probably years, uh, that axe is going to be very, very hot. But um, anyway, Typhon reaches in anyway. <laughs> well, she, she goads him on. Take it, Typhon. Thou hast but to reach within the fires. And he grabs it, and um, he's grabbing it with his bare hands, and you know, which is kind of dumb when you think about it. But anyway, uh, he's like, Oh, it burns, witch, it burns. Aye, witch, but thou didst not tell me the heat of that flame was akin to the flame at the center of the world. My axe was mine once more. My power did return at once, but my hand, the heat did fuse my hand to the hilt of my axe. I cannot pull it free. And he says, my screams had alerted the guardians of the temple, Kratos and Bia, the serving dogs of Zeus. So, Titan, you have dared to return, only to be cast down again, evil one. Not so, Kurz, says Typhon. Typhon doth wield his battle axe once more. Not even Zeus will stop him now. And he's swinging his, his axe around. And of course, his axe is like it's on fire. So it's, uh, yeah, it's like hitting somebody with a burning axe. He apparently puts them out of action. So is saying, Do not act the fool, Titan, lest the mighty one himself should hear thee. Kratos and Bia are done for the nonce. But still the axe doth cleave to my hand. It doth drive me to madness. And he's continuing on with his uh, current day narrating here. And in my anguish I did strike, but the result of my blow neither of us did expect. My axe had grown in power, tempered in the forge of the Promethean flame, and in striking we did pierce the clouds that separate Olympus from the world of the mortals, and like a comet did we plummet down to earth. And so fierce was the heat of our coming that the wood into which we descended did burst into raging, unearthly flame. So I guess that's what caused this forest fire. Smoky Bear did not like that. The axe doth still remain fused to my hand. Tis a hateful, burning limb that will not be off. Scylla, help me! And you can see that his hand is all covered with uh, burns and blisters and warts, and yeah, it's all bumpy and, and ugly. And Scylla saying, I cannot, my love. The flame that did bind thee to thy weapon was a flame of the holy gods. No mere witch may conjure such a force, but oracle I be, 
and prophecy may be of some small help to thee. Only the blood of thy worst enemy will release thee from thy pond, Titan. That and nothing else. And uh, Typhon says, Then I will soon be free, Selah, for even now he who doth fit thy prophecy doth come in view. The guzzling, grinning jackanape of an immortal is here. Hercules comes, and none but he is Typhon's foe. None but his blood will free me from my curse. And we see Hercules and Fenster driving in this green car. It looks like a Chevy Impala. Um, it actually looks like a real photo-referenced car, but I couldn't tell you. I'm not good at cars, but it looks like a Chevy Impala. Anyway, so Hercules is drinking out of like a, it looks like a wastebasket or something. And um, he's saying, uh, Ah, the fruit of this Mendocino grape is as sweet as the nectar of the gods, friend Finster. I'm sure glad you're not driving, Hercules. If a cop was to stop us now, you'd break records on balloon tests for years to come. So apparently... Uh, Hercules is good and drunk at this point. The uh, two villains apparently have caught up with them, uh, considering they passed by the fire quite some time ago. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, Typhon leaps out, and he takes his axe, and he smashes it into the ground with a whoom, and is breaking up the ground. He's like, dog of a god, dost thou hear me, Olympian? Typhon seeks thy blood, and have it he shall. The car is uh, pushed off. It looks like it's pushed off the cliff. And he says, Hurl to thy death, Hercules. When the rocks below claim thee, then will Typhon be free of his hated curse. And uh, Hercules says, Typhon, I know not from whence you come, villain, but twill take more than thy cowardly attack to fell the prince of power. But first must the mortal be saved. And uh, he grabs Fenster by his jacket, which is did not seem to me to be a very good good way of saving him. Uh, but anyway, he grabs him out of the car, and the car goes ker-wham, and falls down the cliff, and it's all burning on fire. And the caption says that it has become just another statistic for Richard Fenster's insurance company. Hercules is uh, kind of like halfway down the cliff, um, so he leaves Fenster in a, uh, like a little grotto, something like that, so he doesn't fall. Hercules says, The shock did cause the mortal to lose consciousness. It is just as well. He would be of little use in the battle to come. Ooh, burn. And Typhon doth once more hold his battle axe. Twill be no easy victory, I fear. And Hercules climbs up and pulls himself over the edge of the cliff, and he's saying, Hercules doth yet live, Titan. His blood is not yet thine. Have it I must, son of Zeus, and have it I will. And he takes his uh, axe and he slams it down in front of um, Hercules. And Hercules has to speak the obvious, of course. Thou dost use thine axe to shatter the very road, Titan. And now thou dost use it to hurl the stones upon me. And he has to say that because it's not abundantly clear from the art what's going on. Yet Hercules has leveled entire mountains, base one, of what matter be a few small stones to... Uh, there be more than thine evil at work here, Typhon. Hercules does suspect another's hand in this. Thou wilt not have long to ponder it, godling. Thy head will roll ere thou dost find the answer. Once more did we battle, usurper, and though thou hadst defeated all the gods through base treachery, still did Hercules best thee, still did the son of all seeing Zeus triumph. And he runs into Typhon with a thumb. 
And Typhon's going, Arg! Methinks this trial will have no different end, says Hercules. Then thou thinkest wrongly, Olympian. There is another by my side, one who has good cause to hate thee. Though thou hast an army assembled behind thee, Titan, still wouldst find that thou dost battle in vain. And at that point, Scylla joins the battle, and she's casting some kind of a pink spell. And uh, we could actually get something of, of what we saw on the cover here. Perhaps, prince, and perhaps not. Turn and face the wrath of she thou didst spurn, Hercules. Turn thee and test the power of Scylla, the witch of Delphos. And Hercules is being grabbed by the vines or branches like we saw on the cover. And he again speaks the obvious here. By the beard of my father, the very trees do respond to the prophetess's call and seek to ensnare me. And for each one I do rip loose, two more do take its place. Typhon is irritated by this, and he, uh, he says, No, temptress, his defeat is to be mine, and mine alone. You would speak thus to me, Titan, to the one who did save thee? There be not the time for that now, woman. All that be of any importance is the death of the Prince of Power. And he's getting ready to hit uh, Hercules with his axe, and Hercules ain't having that. He says, Fire upon thee, knave. And he takes his foot, and he kicks Typhon in the face, and he's kind of ripping the, uh, the branches off. So I guess they're not regenerating two for one anymore because he manages to get them off, it looks like. Thinkest thou, Hercules, be some jelly-kneed serving wench that a glower from thy fearsome countenance would cause his strength to leave him? I say thee, Navelin, and once free of this entangling vegetation, the son of Zeus will make thee wish thou hadst never left the dark domain of Pluto. And Hercules runs into him head first with a kahoom and is uh, throwing him back, and he says, Get thee back to Hades, Titan. And Scylla's there, and she says, Thy heart doth scream for vengeance against both my erstwhile lovers. Yet upon which shall Scylla level her curses? Which immortal shall die begging the oracle's forgiveness? And we shift scenes to uh, Richard Fenster, he is uh, on the, the cliffside, like uh, yeah, we saw him a couple pages ago. And the captions say, The answer to that million-dollar question will have to wait a second or two as we cast our gaze over the cliffside at the edge of the narrow highway and see with slight curiosity the awakening of Richard Fenster, a man of schedules and paperwork. And he's thinking to himself, Holy Joe, I'm still alive. If you can call hanging onto the side of a cliff like a refugee from a scene of King Kong living. And he's um, trying to climb up and he's thinking to himself, Jiminy Cricket, I'm not cut out for the part of Tarzan. My throat gets raw if I even try the war cry of a bull ape. Uh, I guess you'd have to be an old guy like us to get that now. People don't really know who Tarzan is anymore, do they? And he ends up climbing up... Uh, a very sheer cliff, just like holding on to shrubs and stuff, and uh, and manages in his suit to climb up over the edge of the uh, the cliff. And he sees uh, Scylla attacking Hercules with some kind of spell, and uh, Hercules is struggling with Typhon. And he's singing himself, "Will you look at that? Hercules is trying to hold off the big ugly guy with the cleaver, while that weird hippie chick waves her hand at the road, turning it into quicksand, Olympian." And Hercules is like, by the gods. No, son of Zeus, not by the gods. Tis a witch that will be the death of you. Wrong, wench, says Typhon. 
"'Twill be a titan that doth slay him. "'Thine axe doth cleave empty air, boastful one, "'and though I be mired to the spot by the witch's spell, it, it, let's, "'let's look at this. "'He has sand up to his ankle. "'How much is that really going to hold him? <laughs> "'Anyway. "'Tis <laughs> still the prince of High Olympus "'that will triumph this day.' And uh, Fenster is, is hiding behind a couple rocks here, and he's uh, thinking to himself, Hercules sounds so sure, so confident, but he's sinking deeper every second, while the other one gets closer with every sweep of his axe. I've got to do something, but what? And there's a stick laying on the ground because, you know, trees and woods and all that, and he's thinking to himself, hey, this stick may be just what the doctor ordered. If I can get just one of those creeps off his back. And he's, he says, don't just think about it, Fenster. Do it. And he comes sneaking up behind Scylla and doesn't notice him. And he's thinking to himself, I wonder what Lady Vanderbilt would say about my points of etiquette. And uh, Scylla's screaming, Crow not over loud, Typhon. When the Olympian be done away with, then will ye face she whose love thou dost cast off. And uh, he hits her in the back of the head with a stick with a crack. And she goes, oh. And the fencer says, sorry, ma'am, but that's my client you're abusing. So she's been hit in the back of the head and that breaks the spell. So the quicksand turns into a solid, kind of like sandstone, I guess. And Hercules very quickly breaks free of that. He shouts out loud, free, the spell doth release its miry grip. Hercules doth thank thee, friend Fenster, and a libation shall he offer up to his father on thy behalf. Never will thou have that chance, Braggart, not while Typhon's be still joined to his accursed blade, and not while thy blood canst release him. And it's, it's amazing that he hasn't even scratched Hercules yet at this point, because he's been kind of wailing on him with his axe for a while. And they're uh, fighting at the edge of the cliff, and we see, uh, looks like a seagull flying around here. And Typhon is saying, Pack, hated one, pack against the cliff's edge. Tis the rocks below that will claim thy life. By Apollo's golden bow, Titan, thinkest thou to drown me beneath a torrent of empty words? Thou wouldst dare to mock me, Olympian, for that thy death will not come easy. Methinks my death will not come at all, mad one. For well, through thy words I do see that thou art mad. And he uh, punches him back with a cram. And Typhon's head is in a very unnatural and unrealistic position here. Like he literally has, has knocked his head off. But uh, we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll address this later. The pain of thy hand doth rage within thy mind, driving thee over the edge of insanity. Thou art a liar, Hercules. And once I tear free of these cables that do border the mortal's road, I will choke the truth from out thy gasping throat. Thou dost rave, exile, and in truth, t'would seem that thou were banished not only from the halls of great Olympus, from the bounds of sanity itself. I will hear no more, ill-begotten spawn of God immortal. I will hear no more. Thou hast made a rash mistake, Titan, says Hercules. "'casting thy slanderous filth upon the blessedness of Hercules' lineage. "'And for that thou shalt taste the dust of bitter defeat. "'For that will Hercules ignore thy pleas for quarter. "'Thou hast gone too far, Cur. "'We shall see, Hercules, for even now does Typhon force thee back, "'until all that doth greet thy searching heels "'be swirling in substantial updrafts from the waters far below.' 
No longer does Typhon care whether Nihil doth live or not, as long as the life of Hercules be ended. Die, Olympian! Die! And he pushes Hercules over the cliff, and he takes himself with it as well, like the um, the caption says. And they, we get a full page here of the two of them falling. And just notice that um, Typhon is wearing a cape that is really the sort of bilis magenta color, which doesn't match his outfit at all. And the two of them are falling, and... It's funny how they can fall and talk at the same time because they're, they're pretty much talking a, a lot of dialogue here as they fall. So I guess they're falling really, really slowly. Verily the madness doth take thee, Titan, but I do swear to thee, no mere fall will spell the death of an immortal born. And they uh, fall down and they splash into the water, even though there's very clearly a beach there. <laughs> Um, there's very clearly a beach below as they're falling, but somehow they manage to miss the beach and land in the water with a fwikush. Fenster's at the top looking down, and he's saying, gone, both of them. There's been no sign of life for, wait, what the heck is that? And there's bubbles coming up from underneath the, uh, the water, and it turns out to be Typhon and Hercules, of course, and uh, it turns out that they both live and uh, there's a giant spram as Typhon is hurled from underneath the water. And, uh, of course, it's Hercules who caused him to fly out from under the water. And he lands on his back on the beach and next to some rocks. And he's like, I, I yield, Zeus's son. In the name of mercy, spare me. And Hercules says, Thou hast that which thou dost ask, craven one. For as long as thine axe doth remain joined to thy hand, thou art surely cursed. Hercules asks not for this battle, and methinks the fight be done. And we see that, that Fenster has climbed down the cliff, so that's pretty impressive, because, I mean, it just looks like a little wimp of a guy, but you know, he's, he's doing a lot of climbing today uh, up and down this cliff, so it looks like it's not the easiest cliff to climb. Anyway, so he does, and he comes down, and uh, he's there with uh, Hercules and Typhon, and uh, he's saying, what of our friend here, Hercules? Do we just leave him staring out at the sea? I mean, if he's for real, well, it would be one heck of a coup to have a god and a titan on the same lecture circuit. Nay, Richard Fenster, says Hercules, oft-times thine enthusiasm from what thou dost call promotion doth carry thee away. The titan must be returned to Hades. So did Zeus decree. Typhon can ask no more, Hercules. Though hell doth make itself already known to this titan, and that axe which shall ever remain a part of my flesh. And um, we see that uh, Typhon has been cut on his cheek, and uh, apparently falling off the cliff, and we see a tiny little drop of blood falling down his cheek and dripping onto his hand. Um, yeah, the same hand which is bound through mystical flame to the battle axe, upon which his grip has been unwillingly locked. And as the titan's blood spreads crimson upon his arm, my hand doth release its grip. By the golden-crested heads of my brothers, Typhon is free, but Scylla prophesied. And um, Scylla appears, uh, looks at the top of the cliff. She's shouting down, I prophesied rightly, fool. Thou art thine own worst enemy. "'Twas thine own blood, not Hercules, which granted thee thy freedom, "'a freedom that I now claim.' 
and the two of them uh, fade away. Typhon says, Scylla, no, I do vanish. Cease thy spell, which I beg thee. Tis not my doing, Titan. Tis the work of another. And they both fade away. Uh, and the caption says, The incredible visage of that other fills the sky. And it is Zeus. And Zeus says, Tis almighty Zeus that doth take thee, villainous ones. When thine absence from Hades was discovered, t'was suspected that thou wouldst be found here. And he shoots a, um, a couple of uh, thunderbolts at them, and they are gone. And we have kind of the floaty head of Zeus in the, uh, in the air here, and he says, Thy trial is done, my son. The Titan and his consort dwell once more in Pluto's depths. I do thank thee, father, says Hercules. The task of their disposal was not one I didst look forward to. Then fare thee well, most beloved son, fare thee well. Rise, Richard Fenster, cease thy quaking, my father's visage doth fade. And as thou hast oft reminded me, we do have a lecture to attend in yonder city. And Fenster's like, this is all too much for me, Hercules. All I want is a quiet hotel room and to sleep for the next million years. Bah! Thou art as staunch as those companions of Hercules that do call themselves the champions. Thy company doth please me greatly. Why, I'm not sure. Then get your thumb ready, pal. Quite a hitchhike to Los Angeles. And we get a uh, wee, wee, wee sort of ending here. Hercules can be seen in the champions. But don't dare miss the next issue of Marvel Premiere, which we will, because that was uh, a story about Satana, the devil's daughter. And we don't care about her now, do we? All right, so uh, we do have uh, yeah a few thoughts about the issue, as we always do. But first, we are going to hear a uh, promo from one of our friends. Star Trek. Comic books. Mythology. Video games. Toys. Star Wars. Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by two true freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with. And be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. And we're back with a few thoughts about the issue. So, okay, so... What do we think of Marvel Premiere number 26? Um, well, it's a one-off, obviously. Now, there's a reason, I think, why we don't actually get introduced to any of the characters involved. The assumption is we already know who Richard Fenster and Hercules are. And the reason for that is this appears to have been an inventory story that was written for the Champions comic. Now, the Champions book had come out a few months before this, and and was largely a vehicle for a number of characters who had kind of been orphaned at that point in Marvel history. And those, those characters were you know, a couple of the original X-Men, the Black Widow, Hercules, and oddly enough, Ghost Rider. Because you know, a super team that Ghost Rider is a member of has to be good, right? 
So anyway, so I mean, I liked the champions when I was a kid. I really did. I thought it was a, an interesting kind of oddball mix of characters, but ultimately not as successful as, you know, Iceman and Angel joining the Defenders later on. Ghost Rider, Hercules, and the Black Widow just makes for a bizarre combination of characters. So anyway, it seems like that you know they, they were expecting everybody to know Richard Fenster was. There was no uh, explanation of why they were going to UCLA. And again, this is part of a subplot that was in the Champions book. Notice in this uh, this telling of the story, there's no note from an editor saying this is a reference to Champions. This is actually taken just completely out of context. And it, it seems very obvious that this was intended originally as a fill-in for the Champions book. Maybe at this point they decided, oh, well, maybe, you know, the situation is going to change and we're not going to have Hercules on the lecture circuit. So maybe this is how we should do it. You know, we, let's use it for Marvel premiere. And of course we have the, you know, the 10 year anniversary of Hercules first appearance, which is about the same time. So, you know, it's hard to know what Marvel was thinking at the time, but that's my suspicion is that somebody realized, Hey, it's, you know, the, the 10 year anniversary of, of Hercules. Let's do kind of a solo story. And this was originally meant to be that solo story in the champions. And then somebody said, well, why don't we put it in Marvel premiere? Yeah. Uh, George Tuska on the art. George Tuska, not one of my favorite artists, but he's fine here. I mean, his artwork fits this kind of story perfectly well. Um, The Coletta inks I can do without, but then again, you know, it's Coletta. And we do see some evidence here that maybe, you know, he was not as... uh, you know, detail-oriented on Tuska's art as he could have been. Um, Tuska is a, is actually a penciler that does well with a powerful inker because Tuska has a rather loose style himself. So it's good for him to have an embellisher that's going to improve on his pencils. And these aren't the worst Tuska pencils I've ever seen. I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm not the hugest fan of Tuska's art, but he does handle some sorts of strips well. He, he was pretty good on Iron Man as a regular penciler there. Can't complain too much about his work here, to be honest. I mean, it's fine. It's just not, it's not great. And again, I, I place some of that on the inks. Story, it's not the worst story in the world, but it is very by the numbers. It is a very typical sort of 70s Marvel story. Obscure villain coming back and causing trouble for our hero to be easily defeated and you know very one and done wrapped up no no dangling plot threads this is kind of what it is yeah nothing special but nothing horrible either so it's kind of a middle of the road 70s marvel comic as far as i'm concerned why did this not lead to hercules getting his own book i don't think it's hard to tell it's a very mediocre attempt at a pilot if you're going to have a really compelling series to come out of Marvel premiere, which is their trial for, for people getting their own series. You're going to make it compelling. You're going to make it really interesting. This is just humdrum and more of the same. Now think back over the characters who were in Marvel premiere and you wonder, you know, how many of them actually got their own book? The, the answer is not very many. And, and I think a lot of it is that, that Marvel was using this to try out new ideas, 
But most of those ideas didn't catch on. We had some characters like Wood God who came a little bit in in, in the later run that uh, you know they had a couple issues. But we had things like Monarch Star Stalker, you know, things that kind of showed up once and then never showed up again. But Wood God, I know, was in Marvel premiere. The Liberty Legion, which was would have been a, a spinoff from The Invaders, that was a, a couple of issues of Marvel premiere. And let's not forget, of course, the only really well-known uh, character that came out of Marvel premiere was Iron Fist um, because he was one of the early characters and ran for you know, a dozen issues or something uh, at the beginning of the run. So, you know, that's kind of... Uh, yeah, Marvel's third and fourth tier characters that were okay. Let's let's just throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. To see if they get popular with the uh, punters, and that's basically what it all was. All right, so that's about all I have for this week, folks. Once again, thanks very much for listening. We really appreciate it. And if you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us over on the Facebooks. Just go to Radio Free Asgard there. And you will find us. With that, we are back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, through the Olympus portal mountain thing, and through Hades and all that stuff. (laughs) And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>